hello and welcome to Addiction Makes 3, the podcast hosted by me, Amanda Lockyer, where we are having the conversation of what this looks like from the other side, the impact on families and spouses. We are leading with kindness and we are changing the conversation. Today we are getting into the power of our thoughts. And if, like me, you didn't appreciate the magnitude of this, prepare yourself to be amazed because this is truly everything. Thoughts weave through our mind constantly, right? From the moment we wake until we close our eyes and go to sleep, and sometimes even long after that. We are always thinking about something. And these thoughts might include the garden variety, everyday musings of I need to water the garden, I better add milk to the grocery list, or wow, the weather is lovely today, I'm going to have lunch outside, or more complex and deeper thoughts. I wonder what kind of adults my kids will be. What are my long-term goals for my career? Or will my partner ever recover from their addiction struggles? Or we can have more painful thoughts. Will I ever get to live the life I had dreamed of? Why are they choosing a substance over me? And that truly can be the single most painful thought. And I want to tell you, it is a thought, okay? A painful one, and it is a thought. And it is in these moments that the heart and the spirit feels truly broken. When we have a thought that our loved ones are choosing a substance or a behavior over us. So, Have you ever asked yourself that question? Have you ever thought it? How could they choose that over me? And what's even more painful when we are having these thoughts is we turn these painful thoughts into a fact. We have the thought, why are they choosing a substance or a behavior over me? How could they? And then we tell ourselves they are choosing that over me. And to add further to our narrative, we decide it is a choice that our lovely person is choosing and has the power of choice. And I will note that sometimes some behavior people are choosing, right? And that is different. That is not what we're talking about here. So thoughts come in all shapes and sizes and I did a bit of research and there was no definitive answer here, but we have over, the average person has over 6,000 thoughts a day, right? 6,000, so many. So some of them very mundane and some of them are going to be painful. And the thought of why are they choosing a substance over me? How could they choose that over me? And I used to think exactly this, okay? I used to think that as well. I used to think that my loved one was choosing their thing over me, over our family, over our children. 
time and time again, I told myself that thought, how could they, right? How could they? How could they? In what parallel universe are we living when someone chooses that over their family? How could someone choose something that is so devastating, so destructive and potentially life-ending over their family? Okay, and I absolutely had this thought too. So ask yourself, is it true? Are they choosing a substance or behavior over you? And let me know what you come up with. Please know this. Often in these moments, they, our lovely people, are not even choosing themselves either. Okay? They are not choosing themselves. And I know it still hurts. And some days, these thoughts and these behaviors is like a dagger through the heart. And I want to tell you, you can rewire your brain to have different thoughts and responses here. How you think determines how you see the world. It determines your success, your happiness, and quite seriously, the overall quality of your life. Your thoughts are truly one of the most powerful tools you will ever have in changing your life, which is why I said, if you, like me, did not realize or appreciate the magnitude of how powerful your thoughts are, prepare to be amazed, okay? Because truly, it is life-changing. We will stick to addiction context here, but I'll throw in some non-addiction anecdotes so we can really see how this plays out in life. But what we have often is a self-fulfilling prophecy, okay? It's a three-stage process beginning with a person's belief. And sometimes it is false, right? At the time it is held. That a certain event will occur in the future. So that's the first step. And then we have this expectation, right? So an expectation that an event will occur. And then the expectation of that event occurring leads to the behavior change that would not have occurred if it were not for this false expectation. Okay, and then finally, the expected event occurs and the prophecy is fulfilled. So we expect something to happen we behave accordingly in line with the expectation. Our expectation is then fulfilled, so the expectation is reinforced. <laughs> Thinking about lapse and relapse. If you expect someone to relapse or lapse, or if you expect someone to never change, you will behave accordingly. So let's take a pause here. And really sit with this because this is super empowering and this shows that you can influence. And you can equally be a positive influence or a negative influence. Let's sit with this and let me pose two scenarios here. How would you behave if you expected that someone was going to succeed in living a great life? picture that. Now, how would you have behaved if you expected that someone wasn't going to succeed 
and it was going to stay like it is now and then rinse and repeat. How would you behave? So this is the idea and the expectation of two different outcomes leads you to behave in completely different ways, right? The idea, the expectation, the thought. And that is how powerful it is. And more in light of the self-fulfilling prophecy, when we are dead set focused on the not great stuff, it is all we see. Like everything is bad. Nothing is good. And I'm sure this will ring home true to many of you because I have sat here many a time. It is all bad. Nothing is good. And when you are in that mindset, you notice every crappy, shitty thing that someone either is or is not doing. They didn't pick up their socks. Unforgivable, right? When we're in that mindset. But maybe we didn't notice that they've gone to their run club three times this week. And maybe we didn't notice they fixed the leaking tap or they offered to take someone to soccer practice. But when we have a more hopeful outlook and more positive, we actively search out the goodness. We actively notice it. And this is a mindset. And you might notice, wow, they were so calm in that really tricky moment. They handled it pretty well. Or maybe they suggested an outing. Amazing. Or maybe they asked how your day was and genuinely waited for your answer. And you look and you notice the good. You search out the goodness. And when you notice the good, more good grows. Okay. It is like watering the garden. And that's how powerful our thoughts are. Recently, in one of my Wellness Wise love letters, I spoke about watering the garden and how we are either watering the flowers or the weeds. So when everything is bad and you're noticing all the shortcomings, the things they're not doing, you're watering the weeds. And what happens to weeds when you water them? Like those things do not need any encouragement growing, right? But when we water the flowers and we nurture and we observe, the flowers grow. Okay, so looking for the goodness. The more you look for it, the more you will see. And that is how powerful our thoughts are. It is what you are choosing to notice, what you are choosing to listen listen to. And when we have over 6,000 thoughts a day, that's a lot, right? Once you notice how your thoughts shape your life and this is an absolute power muscle to flex you can help others catch their thoughts too wow how impactful could that be how much of an amazing influence could you have on someone's life if you could lead the way and help them manage their helpful and painful thoughts. 
And this is where we can influence. This is where we can lean in. Let's think about our children. So it could be your own children or children that are in your life. And the great thing about kids is they typically verbalize a lot of their thoughts, which is amazing for us because we can really help them redirect any unhelpful thoughts on the spot. At the time of this recording, I have an eight-year-old and that kid is so tough on himself in nearly all areas of his life. The man holds himself to a very high bar and he is inevitably frustrated that he can't do something as well as he had hoped. Immediately, he will tell himself that he's no good at it. Whatever it is, whatever he is trying to do, and he isn't super duper amazing, he will tell himself he's no good. How does that show up in his actions, right? He'll typically throw in the towel, quit, stomp off, and tell himself that he's not good at anything, because he thought he would be great at it. So now he's telling himself a whole crappy story about being hopeless and whatever else. In that situation, as the adults, what do we say? What can we say? We might gently remind our little people that being great at something takes practice, right? Lots of practice, 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 practice. And we know that we won't be great straight away that we usually need people around us to show and help us so we can be great. And we will remind our little people that we will stumble and we won't get it right all the time. We won't be great all the time and we will keep trying. And then we probably point out the great things they can do, okay, or the part of what they're trying to do that they are great at. And we might ask, hey, what part is the hardest? Then we might offer, is there anything that I can help you with? And then we might ask them if they want to come up with a plan to be better at it and showing them the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset, going from I can't do it to I can't do it yet. Let's think about the same situation when it comes to our lovely people who are struggling with addiction or trying to navigate or think about recovery. Would you tell them all the same things that I just said? It's not easy, right? It is not easy. And the lovely people in our lives are probably telling themselves a whole story about how they have failed failed themselves, failed their kids, failed you. They might be telling them a story that they can't do it. Maybe they have tried five times, ten times, a hundred times and it hasn't stuck. Or maybe they haven't tried yet. They will stumble in this because it is not easy. And they might want to give up because maybe they didn't do it as they would have hoped the first time, the fifth time, the tenth time. And what would you say to them? Right? What would you say to them? Would you say, well, of course you didn't do it. You never do it. It never lasts. I'm not surprised. Or could you say, you didn't quite make it this time. It's hard and you have stumbled. 
could you point out all the good things they did, all the good things they've done so far, all the ways in which they have done great? Could you water the flowers? And could you remind them that they may not have got as far as they would have liked this time? And it's not that they can't do it, it's that they haven't done it yet. Could you show them the same love, compassion, understanding and hold the same space as you would for anybody else trying anything and stumbling and trying again and stumbling and trying again? It's not to condone the crappy behavior, okay? It is not to condone that. Put boundaries around it. Protect your peace. Absolutely do that. Always. But how different do you think someone can show up if they have people cheering them on? If they have people challenging the crappy inner thoughts they're already thinking? And if we go up there and water the weeds, and what do you think watering the weeds does? If we say, I'm not surprised, of course you didn't make it, no shock to me, same, same. Or could we say, yeah, this is hard and you didn't quite make it and I'm proud of you for trying again. And that requires you to challenge how you think about it too, okay? With boundaries, people, with boundaries. Our thoughts. Each and every day we have thoughts and we are presented with sliding door moments where our thoughts can literally take us one way or another and it's catching the thoughts and making sure that we are being fully intentional as to the direction that we choose to go. And there is a beautiful Buddhist teaching, and I've got the little card on my desk, and it says, we are shaped by our thoughts. We become what we think. And that is truly it, okay? You become what you think. And recently, I shared a little anecdote on my Instagram stories around a sliding doors moment that I had, and I was at the gym, of all places. It's where you'll find me a few times a week. And it was just one of those moments where things were not going well. And there was an iPad that was malfunctioning and my little six-year-old was not happy with it. It needed me to fix it. And I had to keep dipping in and out of my workout. I was getting incredibly frustrated because I go to a gym that is a very fixed time workout and you have to do a certain type of exercise and there's stations and whatever else. So having to duck in and out for two minutes here, two minutes there really was eating into my workout and I was just getting so frustrated and he was getting frustrated and he was having a bit of a tantrum. I was having an adult tantrum and it was not going well. So resetting iPads and all the rest of it, I had this thought, right? And the thought was, I'm just going to go home. This is too much. I just want to be at the gym doing my gym things and this is too much. I'm going to go home. And I caught it. I caught the unhelpful thought because I was aware of it. And I thought, hang on, 
one minute here. This is not helpful. Where is this thought going to get you? You're going to go home and you're going to be very annoyed at yourself for quitting the gym. And I've never done that, but I just felt so strongly in that moment. God, stuff this. This is too hard. I'm going home. This is, I'm not enjoying it. And so I thought, right, what is a more helpful thought here? Just things have not quite worked out as I had hoped today. We've got technical issues and it's not ideal. It's after school. We're all a bit tired. Let's just do what we can, keep going with the session, and we'll see what we can do for next time, right? That is a more helpful thought. And what happened? I stayed at the gym and finished my workout. And that was a sliding doors moment. In that moment, I could have completely left the gym, been annoyed at myself, and just been a very unlikable human to be around for the rest of the day. But I didn't. I caught the thought. I became aware of it. And my behavior changed as a direct response of triaging that thought. And that is how powerful our thoughts are. So if you can do that for yourself, you can do it for your children, you can do it for those around you, okay? And that is amazing. And there are so many unhelpful thoughts that we have here in the space of loving someone struggling with addiction. If you let those thoughts take hold of you, it will drastically change your behavior and how you show up. The self-fulfilling prophecy. Another example that pops into my mind around lapse and relapse. Not the same thing, by the way. I used to think that this was just the worst thing. There is nothing worse than someone trying to seek recovery and then they have a lapse. So that was catastrophe. In my mind, worst possible outcome. So I behaved like that. I, my conduct was, this is the worst. And to be fair to myself from years ago, it probably did feel that way, right? But it was fear. And I talk about fear a lot. Driving the bus, okay? And my behavior directly correlated to the thought of this is the worst thing. A few other common unhelpful thoughts we have here and let me know if these resonate with you and just think how does this play out? If I have this thought it's not great, it's not helping me, how does it play out? How does it play out in my behavior? So we've already really dug into the thought of why are they choosing a substance over me? Let's dig into some other ones that are equally as unhelpful and equally as painful. If they loved me, they were, I'm going to use drinking here. If they loved me, they wouldn't drink. It's my fault that they're drinking. I can control their addiction and make them stop. If I just nag them enough, they'll quit drinking. They're choosing to drink to hurt me. I am the only one who can save them from their addiction. Their addiction is a reflection of my failure as a spouse. 
if I just provide enough support, they'll quit on their own. I can fix this problem by myself. I should be able to make them see reason. Those are just a few of the common unhelpful thoughts I hear most weeks when I speak to lovely women that have been impacted by their loved one's addiction. And those unhelpful and painful thoughts are playing out in your behavior and they don't serve you. Okay, they do not serve you. Recognizing that our thoughts are truly powerful, they shape our lives. Okay, and we are presented every day with hundreds of thoughts. Some are mundane and very garden variety, some of them run a bit deeper. And some of them can be really painful and unhelpful. So what we can do is a first step is become aware of them. Awareness is the first step. And if you are listening to this and you haven't already, please download my free workbook, Four Steps to Managing Painful Thoughts. And this will help you with the steps to go through to navigate some of these thoughts so that you can catch them, challenge them, and replace them with more helpful thoughts. It will truly change the way you show up and it will change your life. And once you can master this skill in yourself, you can share it with others, okay? Share it at the dinner table tuning in to little people, their unhelpful thoughts, big people, their unhelpful thoughts, and how you can really plant the seed, okay? And the story I gave earlier of my eight-year-old when he couldn't do something to help him see what parts he can do, that he can't do it yet, but if he practice, practice, practices, he will get there with help and support. And then how we can overlay that generosity and compassion to our lovely big people who are also possibly trying to do something hard that maybe they haven't quite done it yet and pointing out the things that are great that they have done so far and giving them that compassion that this is hard and they are going to stumble all right, and to get people around them that can support them and cheer them on. And that is powerful. In the words of Theodore Roosevelt, believe you can and you are halfway there. The belief, the thought that you can gets you halfway, right? So believe you can, whatever it is that you're trying to do, Believe you can do it and you are halfway there. You don't have to do this alone. Find people that are doing the great things and that are inspiring. Surround yourself with those people, people that are walking their talk, okay? People who are doing the good things, living authentically and within their values. Find your people. You do not have to do this alone. Thank you for joining me here at Addiction Mix 3, the podcast, and subscribe wherever you listen. 
If you've found this to be helpful or insightful, I would sincerely appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast. It truly helps others find it. And if you would like to get in touch with me with thoughts, feedback or queries, you can send me an email. If you would like to know more about working with me, details can be found in the show notes. Thanks for staying kind and I will speak to you soon.